It's 11.30 on Friday here at KRVN. It is time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Jason Jorgensen will join us in sports in just a couple of minutes. Big Nebraska kid making some big news today, saying that he's leaving the state, going to play college basketball somewhere else. We'll hear more about that coming up in just a moment. Otherwise, we'll hear from Bob Broken as well. He'll tell us how stocks are doing, if that ship is uh, still stuck in the Egypt Canal as well. And uh, we uh, will also hear from our own Paul Perkins as he'll tell us about what's going on with the weather here on this Friday. But let's get started with Susan Littlefield to give a preview of what's coming up on Midday. Thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. Kicking it all off with state climatologist Al Dutcher for agriculture as he will talk with Chad Moyer about what's happening in our weather. We've got a new poultry flock. We're going to give you some tips to starting that from Alex at 1245. And then wrapping it all up is Friday feed Alex on that. That's a Friday. Have a great weekend from all of us at the farm team. All right, thank you very much, Susan. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. Uh, a Nebraska kid has chosen to leave the state to play college basketball uh, and going to go right to a powerhouse. Yeah, Hunter Salas made his much-anticipated decision today. He is going to be playing for Gonzaga. So mm-hmm. he's headed west. If you're a Husker fan, it's probably good that uh, he's headed out west. <laughs> uh, he never considered Nebraska, but that would have been a tough pill to take. It. He ended up at Creighton or Michigan, or Iowa, or KU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if he's out on the West Coast, best of luck to him. Well, there's already one kid that's already going to go play Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, Chucky. Was, Chucky, that Chucky Hepburn uh, out of Lincoln. He'll be uh, playing against Nebraska a couple times a year. So, you know, they, they just don't want to rub salt in the wound. Uh, but good for him. He'll be playing for a powerhouse and uh, will be competing pretty much immediately. Yeah, and the Huskers uh, did land a guard themselves. Uh, C.J. Wilcher, four-star shooting guard coming out of high school. He was at Xavier, uh, 6'5", 195 pounds. We'll see what he can do for the Big Red. Sometimes uh, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Right, right. And it's been a mixed bag so far with Fred Hoiberg and his transfers to this point. Uh, his son just announced yeah. he's going to walk on, too. His youngest son, right? Yeah, so this is not the son that was right. at Michigan State. This is the son who was at Lincoln Pius. Now, however, his other son that was at Michigan State said he's entering the transfer portal a couple of days ago. I would assume that maybe means uh, he'll be reuniting with his dad or no? no? No. From what I've read from reliable sources, he will not Okay, he will not join Fred in Lincoln. All right, but I, the younger son will. Okay, all right. <laughs> not, not that I was going to get excited to say that all you know, all of a sudden we're going to compete because I don't think he played all that much anyway. No. But and there's an old adage: if you're a college basketball coach and you have one of your kids on the team, they either need to be the best player mm-hmm. or the worst player mm-hmm. because if they're somewhere in the middle, then it gets a little murky when it that's comes fair. to playing time mm-hmm. and people question things. So. Uh, I think that's probably the way it goes with Sam. Jim Beheim has two of his sons playing right now. One starts, one comes off the bench. Uh, both, uh, I think, really, really contribute. But uh, I think you're right on, on that assessment, Sam. So. All right, very good. Uh, let's turn things over to Bob Broken. How are stocks performing on this Friday? Stocks are higher in trading uh, after an up-and-down week. Also, severe winter storms in much of the country help push consumer spending down a little bit in February. And that maritime traffic jam... Uh, continues i think what they need is some guy by the name of eddie to clear this up um and come to the rescue anybody that's got any ideas out there i'd say uh join in and maybe they'll uh, they'll be a big payday 
Time for regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Well, Paul, as we end the week here, we're seeing yet again more rain uh, across our listening area. Yeah, and a lot of it's starting to get closer to the interstate. Uh, some of that light rain over south central Nebraska from Lexington to just about Kearney. And then it does start to pick up in a little more intensity just to the southeast of Kearney, in between Hastings and Red Cloud to in between Sutton and Hebron right mm. now. And then this weekend, we'll see warmer temperatures. Yes, uh, nice warmer trend, especially on the way uh, for Sunday into Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first full weekend of spring coming up, and it looks like the end of it going to feel like it. All right, very good. (laughs) Uh, Today, otherwise, temperatures uh, not too bad. They're seasonal, depending where you're at. Yeah, thanks to a southerly flow, we are seeing some nice warm-up in those temperatures, some mid and upper 40s for the most part, uh, some low 50s as you head closer to I-70 over uh, central portions of Kansas, including as warm as 50. 51 currently at Hill City and at Russell and 53 at Hayes. But once again, most of us in the mid to upper 40s. And we're also seeing some a little more sunshine into eastern Nebraska. And that's where temperatures from Aurora and York on into eastern Nebraska are in the low 50s. And also most of us with cloud cover currently, but we are seeing some mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies to the north of Ogallala and North Platte on into the Nebraska Sandhills. But more rain is on the way in cloud cover. The rain currently mostly over southern Nebraska. Some light rain in between North Platte to Imperial and McCook. But once again, that main band of rain lifting north through the region from about Lexington to Kearney, then southeastward to in between the Hastings and Red Cloud area to north of Hebron. Also watching another band of rain moving from the Nebraska uh, Panhandle where some uh, coal fronts moving to the east and that light rain from about Chandron to Alliance, Scotts Bluff, and Kimball. Scattered rain and some thunderstorms will remain possible for today through tonight. Thanks to an area of low pressure tracking to the east, also another cold front moving through. Rain chances slightly higher on into Nebraska. Right near a warm front, we do have a low-end marginal risk of severe weather over south-central and southeast Nebraska and nearby parts of north-central and northeast Kansas, or if you're along in southeast of a line from Lincoln to Hastings and Alma, once again, a low-end marginal risk of severe weather. Most of the rain amounts with this system going to be light if we do see any, and those rain amounts will range most likely from a tenth to a quarter of an inch. Temperatures today staying on the seasonal side. High pressure builds in behind that departing area of low pressure for tomorrow for a breezy day, but with increasing sunshine. Sunday and Monday will be dry, a big-time warming trend coming up. Monday will be our warmest day of the next seven with highs in the 70s or about 20 degrees warmer than average. A cold front drops our temperatures to slightly below seasonal for Tuesday into Wednesday before some milder temperatures return for late next week. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas seasonal to slightly above average for Wednesday through the late part of next week. By the Easter weekend through April 8th, Chances really increase for warmer than normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas. For reference in central Nebraska, the average daytime highs for early April in the upper 50s to around 60, with average overnight lows in the low 30s. It will be mostly dry for Wednesday through April 8th with below normal precipitation in Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the nation with a ridge of high pressure building east. Key weather factors affecting the markets include the continuation of dry weather for central Brazil and rain this weekend for the Midwest. The Midwest will see additional rain this weekend, followed by more of the middle part of next week. Recent rains have been mostly favorable for easing drought and recharging soil moisture. Heavier rains in the southeast Midwest, though, leading to some disruption of the field work. 
in the Southern Plains. The soil moisture for winter wheat and row crop field work grandly improving after recent rain. Active weather continues for next week in the Southern Plains, but with much less widespread, moderate to heavy rain with the soils able to drain for the early field work. For the Northern Plains, drought conditions continue to deepen with little to no precipitation in their forecast the next seven days. Central Brazil will stay mostly dry through the next week, a pattern that favors soybean harvest but also and also completion of planting second crop corn. The drier weather in central Brazil leaning to concerns the rainy season will end early and jeopardize prospects for second crop corn yields. So about this time next week, it uh, sounds like we'll start to see some more consistent spring-like temperatures. Yeah, especially with uh, warmer temperatures, a uh, drier weather pattern on the way. Right now, we continue to see this inf- influence of a trough of low pressure across the central U.S., but more of a ridge of high pressure building east for much of next week. Okay. That's all I'm looking for is consistency <laughs> in our temperatures. So. Yeah. One thing you'll never find in springtime in this part of the country. I know it. (laughs) One can hope, though, and wish. That's all right. Uh, For a full weather forecast for this upcoming weekend, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for our weekly update with Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher. What's kind of in store for us for the future here? Well, from a standpoint of precipitation, we're going to have one more round to deal with over this next seven-day period of any consequence, and that's going to be over this next 24 hours. There's a upper-level uh, wave of energy moving in the upper atmosphere coming out through the mountains. is fairly weak, but it's going to have the ability to generate some scattered shower activity that moves across the state today. And there is the outside chance that we'll see some thunderstorm development, particularly across the south-central and southeast Nebraska, as we get into the late afternoon and evening hours before that front kind of sweeps through. Right now, there is the opportunity, at least along the Kansas-Nebraska border, for maybe up to a half an inch uh, and maybe possibly a little bit higher if some thunderstorms get developing. But broad-based coverage is not expected to be significant, and and most of it will remain south of the I-80 corridor. As we go into tomorrow, that's going to, as that wave strengthens, it moves eastward to the Great Lakes. It's going to help to build the ridge to the west of us and push that into our region, and we're going to be looking at some very nice temperatures under fairly sunny skies for at least the next couple days after that. So we'd be looking at potentially Sunday and Monday well into the 70s around the state. And we might see mid-70s in the drier locations of southwestern Nebraska. Tuesday becomes a little bit more iffy as the GFS model and the and the uh, Euro model are showing a shortwave movement across the northern plains. It's going to bring in cooler air. At this point in time, it keeps most of the moisture to the north. It was just some scattered sprinkle activity, but based on how aggressive precipitation has been, we might see just a little bit more of the returns across northern Nebraska. But overall, that's about the only precipitation. That quickly moves to the Great Lakes. Once again, that trough strengthens over the eastern Corn Belt, and we see warmth returning back into our region for very nice conditions at the end of next week. Looking further out from the Climate Prediction Center's forecast, they're indicating a widespread area of dry conditions, but looking at the GFS model, it's been pointing to a trough coming in toward the end of next week into the Pacific Northwest and moving that energy into the Central Rockies and starting to push some of that out as we get late into next weekend. It was also showing a pretty good significant fetch of moisture coming straight north from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up into the Dakotas. So any activity that is able to move out into the plains is going to have a fetch and moisture to work on. So I wouldn't be surprised we're going to start to see an increase in significant activity. And if the GFS model is correct, once we get into the second full week of the month, 
we're probably going to be looking at some widespread precipitation over the central and northern Rockies and the potential for some very significant weather to develop across the northern half of the Plains region. You know, and the other thing that's going to become more and more important here as we get into April, uh, soil temperatures. I would imagine not a whole lot of movement on that, but pretty soon, huh? Yeah, I suspect that we'll start to see those bump up. They're going to be compromised somewhat because we've got these wet soils, and that's a good thing. It's going to hold us from getting into the fields too quick in case we get one of those freak cold spells that come in mid-month, late April that causes a lot of problems. So from that standpoint, expect a much slower increase in terms of temperature. That means dormancy break on vegetation is going to be laid just slightly. I suspect that we're going to start to see a lot of leaf breaking out here, at least the southern half of the state, over the next two weeks. But full canopy probably isn't going to occur until we get toward the end of April. We just got to overcome a lot of cool soils. And remember, those cool soils, the temperature, the normal temperatures rise rapidly during April and May. Those cold soils can hold temperatures back. So even though you have a big ridge over top of us, you know, we're looking at 70s. It's this would have been drier conditions, we'd be looking at 80s. So it's good worth holding our highs back a good 10 degrees with that soil moisture. So it'll be a slower process warming up. All right, very good. As always, great information. Thank you so much for the insight. That's Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher. And a recap on the weather and looking ahead to the next couple of weeks as well. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. Time for midday sports. Jason Jorgensen is stepping in. It's a big uh, high school Nebraska prep news uh, today. Yeah, Miller North Star, Hunter Salas, who kept people guessing for a while, the first five-star prospect ever out of the state of Nebraska, announced today he is headed to Gonzaga. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's an established program, number one in the country. Uh, They were the heavy favorite down the stretch, but his final eight included a lot of the Blue Bloods, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Oregon, UCLA, Creighton, and Iowa State. Uh, He is ranked as the 13th best player in the country by ESPN. He also was selected to the Mm -hmm. McDonald's All-American game. He's also considered to be the third best point guard in this class. He's a dude. And, uh, you know, not to rub anybody the wrong way, but if you're in Nebraska, and Nebraska had no shot at this kid, mm-hmm. that had been a tough pill to swallow had he gone to Creighton. We're going to see him once a year <laughs> for the next four years, basically. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, good for him for going to a program that uh, he may have some playing time initially, uh, but he's going to compete or at least be a part of a, a program that knows how to win. Yeah, and you can't, uh, you can't question that decision. No, I mean, no. that's... If you're that good, you need to go to a go f- go with the best teams they have. Yep. Yep. Nebraska basketball didn't take long in adding a player from the transfer portal today. Xavier freshman guard C.J. Wilcher announced his commitment. He's a former four-star guard in the 2020 class. He averaged about three points per game this past year, but started to come on later on in the year. He also has a little brother who's a that. very good player. So. That might be another interesting uh, caveat there. Wasn't his brother, uh, isn't he a, a five-star yeah, for 2023? So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've seen the Huskers go that route right. before. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. But hopefully a Wiltshire can play and hit some shots. After playing 11 straight games away from Lincoln, the Husker baseball team has its home opener this afternoon at 2 as they welcome in Minnesota. Of course, this is the first time this season and first time in over a year that fans will actually be allowed at an NU event, and head coach Will Bolt is pretty excited. Yeah, the timing worked out pretty well for us, um, being on the road the first three weeks, and then um, I'm happy for our players. Um, obviously, we're, we're all excited, but I'm, I'm happy for our players. They've, they've been through a lot in the last year, um, had a lot of things taken away. To have a little sense of normalcy this weekend, to have some some 
Husker fans in the stands, I know they've been anxious to to try to get out and, and see us play. And Shocking stat here. Every ticket for today's game in Lincoln <laughs> has been sold. This just in. Uh, the game starts at 2. Hopefully the raindrops will stay away. Uh, we will bring it to everybody here on Cami uh, Country. Uh, Greg Sharp tweeted out today, he's never been more excited <laughs> in his life to have a, a red hot dog and a Pepsi today. I, so. I bet, I bet. It'll be a fun atmosphere. Husker volleyball team 1-4 last night over Michigan. They will play again tonight at 6. We'll have the broadcast mm-hmm. here on 880 KRVN. And Northwest Missouri State put on a clinic last night in the national semifinals, blowing out Flegler 76-46. to uh, They will take on top-seeded West Texas A&M tomorrow morning at 11. You can actually... Uh, Watch that game over on CBS. We were talking off air. You feel like they have a good chance I think to so. beat them, Northwest Missouri? I think so. West Texas is pretty good, but the Bearcats, they're the real deal. It's an interesting. It's interesting. How many national championships have they They've won? They've got two. They won it back in 2017 right. and 2019. And this is pretty much the same bunch that won it in 2019. Wow. wow. If you're the rest of the MIAA, you're okay if Trevor Hudgens and Ryan Hawkins decide not to come back. <laughs> uh, because as long as those two are there, uh, the title is going through Maryville. Those guys have a chance to make the NBA or an NBA roster someday? Mm, I don't know, but certainly playing overseas. Right, yeah, okay. They're good enough to go somewhere and earn some money for their skills. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Good for them. All right, very good. Thank you very much. Time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder has now stepped in. and Well, Dave, uh, we started this week with some sad news in terms of a, a fire in south-central Nebraska. Now we're finding out more information about that fire that uh, ultimately did take a life. Yes, yes, we are. And and uh, the results of uh, the preliminary results are uh, smoke inhalation contributed uh, to the death uh, and uh, that also uh the uh, the fire was accidental uh, mm. due to a wood burning stove mm. inside this uh, shop building so and with the stove did they is it something that was it just too much going on with it did it combust or did it just uh, yeah, have any idea yeah i don't know okay. i don't know uh, we that information wasn't released okay. so you bet well tragedy was probably averted uh, yesterday uh, in custer county rescue personnel from oconto and callaway responded to a rural oconto residence yesterday morning for an illness call Oconto Fire Chief Cliff Badgley says carbon monoxide was suspected in the home. Two occupants were taken to Callaway Hospital and then life-flighted to another hospital for further care. No information was available on their condition. Badgley encourages the use of carbon monoxide detectors in the home. Proponents of medical marijuana want Nebraska lawmakers to legalize medical cannabis for children and adults who have uncontrollable epileptic seizures and other medical problems. But you're not going to convince John Keene, a former state senator and co-chair of Smart Approaches to Marijuana Nebraska. That group wants legalization and says legalization is needed. Keene's a doctor of veterinary medicine and says there's no difference between medical and recreational marijuana. He also says there's research available showing a strong connection between youth suicide rates and marijuana use. Um, in, in Colorado, the number one substance found in youth suicides age 10 to 19 is marijuana. And to avoid and ignore the very clear connection between youth marijuana use and the development of mental illness and the link to suicide, 
is to ignore one of the most significant public health impacts of the legalization of marijuana. Well, Governor Pete Ricketts has taken a strong stance against the legalization of medical marijuana in Nebraska, going as far as to warn residents that legalizing the drug would kill their children. Now, while not disagreeing with Ricketts, Keene asserts Ricketts' comment was sensationalized. The sponsor of LB-474, Lincoln Senator Anna Wishart, says she would not support a bill that would put marijuana in the hands of children. So I would push back in saying that if you follow the research and the science, in looking at other medical cannabis systems across the country, there is no evidence of in, an increase in teen use. And that's what I'm looking at, and I wouldn't be working on this issue if there was. There were enough signatures to place the question of medical marijuana on the ballot last year, but the Nebraska Supreme Court blocked a proposed constitutional amendment from the ballot on a technicality. Wishart hopes her bill gets strong support from the legislature or through another petition drive for the 2022 ballot. Well, ambitious Republicans are starting to make moves in Iowa, long a proving ground for future presidents. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in Iowa today. And that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. It's that time of year when all those cute little chicks are making their ways into farm stores across the state. But there's a lot of things to consider before you put some in a box and bring them home. So today we're going to learn a little bit more with Dr. Sheila Purdom. She's a Nebraska Extension poultry specialist. Dr. Purdom, tell us first about some important things to consider um, before even starting a flock. All right. So when you're going through Tractor Supply or Orchlands or any farm store that has chicks, they all look really cute when they're small. All right, but you need to define your objective, whether it's to have fresh eggs or to have some meat on your table with broilers later on, because those are two very different choices. Meat birds don't necessarily produce eggs well, and egg birds don't produce meat well, so you do have to make a choice. So another thing I think that's often overlooked is the equipment or the facilities, really both needed to start a flock, and then maintain that flock. Can you walk us through some of the things people might need if they're they're starting their flock for the first time? All right. The first phase is brooding. And brooding can be done in something as simple as a livestock water tank. You just have to have a confined space that you can supplement with heat, for example, with the heat lamp, and keep the birds toasty, like at around 90 degrees, dropping down to 85, 80 each week subsequently after that first week. They need bedding, which is typically wood shavings, and they need water and feed um, provided to them. Once they grow up to be about five weeks old, you can remove them from that confined space then into a larger space. And I often recommend for people just something as simple as a dog kennel. Um, is a very nice larger space for birds with um, protection from the wind and cold. Um, that next step is very important though. If you plan to just have free range birds all the time, you're gonna have troubles with predators. So you do have to have a confined space to keep those birds um, safe from predators later on in their life. So when you're out and about with your role in extension, talking with people who might be interested, what are some questions or misconceptions that you hear about raising poultry? So a lot of people think that they have to 
heat them really high temperatures. And that can happen and actually cause a little heat stress in the chicks if you heat too much. And you, this is going to sound rather crude, but you get something called pasty butts, all right, in that they actually can't excrete um, their manure very easily, and it'll actually get pasty around the vent area. So that means you're overheating. The other misconception is I can just free range my birds all the time. Um, you want to have the birds come home at night because at night is when predators become a problem. So you're going to have to evaluate your situation and decide how you're going to train your birds to come back home at night into their enclosures so that they can avoid that predator attack. We're visiting with Dr. Sheila Purdom. She's a Nebraska Extension poultry specialist. I think it's really easy also to overlook the timeline maybe of how long it will take for these layers and or broilers to produce. Walk us through the timeline for layers to lay eggs and broilers to be able to harvest. So the quick project is broilers. Um, the Cornish rock crosses are ready to go to the table, be processed in just two months. All right, so that's the quick project. The project getting a Rhode Island red or a beautiful um, Buff Orpington to egg production, that's a four-month process, maybe even five. So you have to be very patient. Obviously, only the hens are going to come into egg production. So if you're getting chicks in April, you probably won't see eggs until the fall. And then you're going to battle the winter season challenges, which we'll talk about a little bit, too. Absolutely. We can dive right into those now because once we get to those winter months, you know, the chickens aren't going to produce as much as maybe we thought they would. Tell us more about that. Okay. So your chicken is coming into egg production in the fall, which is wonderful, but you have a decreasing period of sunlight in the fall. And the birds need about 16 hours of day length, whether it's sunlight plus artificial light or artificial light alone to produce eggs well. So you are going to have to provide an enclosure which can keep that lights on to provide 16 hours of day length if you want optimum egg production through the fall and into the winter. Tell us about some of the health signals or signs that we should be looking out for, especially as we start with young poultry, getting them introduced into their new environment. Okay, um, bronchitis. So this time of year, if your birds are kind of Closed up during cold weather in a small area that gets dirty or dusty, they may again um, cough and have bronchitis. Okay, those can be treated by certain um, antibiotics that are prescribed by veterinarians. The other types of diseases can include viruses that they can pick up from traveling waterfowl or wild birds. For example, several years ago, we had a huge outbreak of avian influenza in our state here in the Midwest. And that was actually carried to our domestic birds by wild birds. So you don't want a lot of intermingling between domestic and wild birds in your facility either. So speaking of that intermingling, one more question for you. Um, as people bring these new chicks home, a lot of people might have dogs or cats or maybe even livestock. Are there certain animals that chickens do or don't work well with? Um, it's really surprising how adaptable they are. I've seen farms where chickens get along quite well with large livestock, such as cattle, goats, sheep, um, even horses. However, there are certain dogs that are bred to hunt. They can be predators as well. 
But commingling with, um, I would say, ruminants or herbivores is quite fine. All right. Wonderful tips and tricks for starting a backyard flock. Dr. Purdom, thanks so much. Thank you, Alex. Good luck, everyone. Again, we've been visiting with Dr. Sheila Purdom. She's a Nebraska Extension poultry specialist, and you can find more information on their Facebook page, UNL Poultry Research and Extension. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for the Midday Business Report. Here's Bob Rogan. Well, stocks are rising this afternoon on Wall Street with technology companies and banks leading the way higher. The broad gains, if they hold, could help the major indexes avoid a second weekly loss as the market churns because of a tug-of-war between hopes for economic growth and concerns about rising inflation stunting that growth. Tech stocks are the biggest gainers. Bank stocks got a boost from some loosening of regulatory restrictions by the Federal Reserve and a continued rise in bond yields, crude oil jumped and helped lift energy stocks. Severe winter storms in much of the country helped push consumer spending down 1% in February, with personal incomes falling sharply as well. The U.S. Commerce Department reporting today that the drop in spending came after a big 3.4% gain in January. Consumer spending is closely watched because it accounts for two-thirds of economic activity. COVID-19 vaccines are being rolled out to adults who are most at risk from the coronavirus, but ending the pandemic will require vaccinating children, too. Researchers are beginning to test younger and younger kids to make sure the shots are safe and work for each age. Pfizer and Moderna expect to release results soon, showing how their two-dose vaccines performed in people ages 12 and older. And... uh, That uh, maritime traffic jam continues to grow outside the Suez Canal where there is a ship that's kind of sideways with things. And uh, so right now, uh, no answers on that, and they don't seem to be able to find anybody who knows the answer. But um, meanwhile, it's costing billions of dollars, that traffic jam. Uh, One expert says freeing the ever-given could take up to a week in the best-case scenario. The Suez Canal Authority said it welcomed international offers to help free the vessel, including one from the U.S., although it did not say what kind of assistance was offered. It'll be interesting to see if it does take a week, are all those other ships going to have to go around Africa? I mean, what what do you do at at that point? Because it affects so much transportation, it seems like. Should I stay or should I go? Right, right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I think get a whole bunch of grease, grease, <laughs> grease the front and the back. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and you know they don't have to pay me for this advice. By the way, I'll just offer it freely. Put a whole bunch of grease there. Mm-hmm. Get a bunch of tugboats, mm-hmm. and just you know, um, put the hammer down. Well, what they've tried so far isn't working. So uh, maybe they should try uh, your idea. Grease and a whole lot of horsepower. I like it. All right, uh, Bob Rogan trying to save the world. Right, thank you, Bob.
tourist crisis. International travel down 81% again last month. As the country opens up here in the U.S., people are going to be traveling domestically. And what better place to go for a tourist who wants to learn about government and the nation's history than Philadelphia? Jeff Guarasino is president and CEO of VisitPhiladelphia.com. People are ready to get back out there and traveling. And as more vaccinations come throughout the country and as school begins to let out and as people get ready for their great American summer vacation that they've earned from all those Zoom calls, we expect a very busy summer, especially for drive destinations like Philadelphia, where you can get in the car, make a last minute decision, stay overnight and see where the country actually was founded. Survey found that 33% of Americans have actually traveled for leisure or pleasure over the course of the pandemic. But they expect 56% will take a trip now since the pandemic seems to be getting under control. On Independence Mall in Philadelphia, I'm Jeff Flock, Fox News. It is time again for Friday Feeders, which is brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. And today we're having our last conversation in this series with Hannah Esch. She is the founder of Oak Barn Beef. Hannah, thanks so much for making time for us today. Absolutely, Alex. It's been a pleasure to be a part of this series, too. Sad to see it coming to an end. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you guys have some exciting things happening on your family's operation back home and also some things happening near West Point, Nebraska. Let's start with calving season. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on on your operation. Yeah, so my parents' farm, they just started calving right now, the actual cows. Heifer started March 1st, and the cows are April 1st. But always just such an exciting time of year, and everyone knows it's a hard time of year. It can be, but I, it's rewarding. So I love that part of it. So Hannah, your parents' operation is really invested in DNA testing and genetics. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and what your family uses? Yes, I love talking about this. I think the animal science major in me geeks out about it. But um, we DNA test all of our cattle through Neogen, and we've been doing this since about 2011. And what that is now is we just send in a small tissue sample to Neogen and they can tell us tons of different traits of each animal. So specifically for oak barn beef, we look at carcass traits, which predominantly tenderness gene, marbling gene, and those tests can give us a rate an animal on a 1 to 10 scale, and then we select the highest quality genetics to go into our beef program. And we test every individual calf, not just um, like dams and sires, but to every single one to see their genetic makeup. So since your family has started doing that, what would you say it's brought to your parents' operation? We really focused on that tenderness gene. We had a key Angus herd, so Keania crossed with Angus, and I think Keania is bringing that tenderness trait really well, and Angus are just known for their good beef, so um, really transitioning towards that good quality premium beef, and then you can also see like maternal traits and basically just how good of cows they're going to be. And by doing this, this is how Oak Barn Beef got its start, is of course transitioned since then, but you were selling your family's beef based on those genetics and those traits. And you just celebrated your three-year anniversary of Oak Barn Beef. Tell us about this celebration and what it means to you. Yes, I was so excited. Um, Two Saturdays ago now, it was our third anniversary. I keep calling it the third birthday, but it was so fun just to 
kind of rally our customers up and the people who who have been buying from us and new customers as well. But we had some really awesome deals and special pricing in addition to just like a fun day of celebration. So Hannah, you're three years into this adventure of Oak Barn Beef. And I think it's safe to say that a lot of startups probably even struggle making it past the first year. As you think about the future, Hannah, what's next for Oak Barn Beef? I think just continuing to serve our customers is number one. So in the future, I can see us adding some other like protein sources, whether that's pork or chicken or something along those lines. But really just continuing to grow this year, we're about expecting double as many as we did last year. So and learning along the way. Absolutely. Great information, Hannah. Thank you so much for being our feature on Friday Feeders this year. That again is Hannah Esch. She is the founder of Oak Barn Beef. That'll be the last time we visit with Hannah for Friday Feeders, which is brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we check in on the closing grain markets. To do so, we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And, John, we come to the end of the week. Looks like a little bit of profit taking, of course, light on the data this week, so not a lot to truly make directional efforts in the trade. Next week, though, some big market movers possibly coming down the road. At this stage in the game, though, likely would you want to short soybeans? Ooh. It's a good one. A good question. I, I think right now, just based off the spreading action, I think folks are betting that beans are going to get shorted here, meaning they're going to get light, uh, maybe coming in $89 million. Uh, I've seen some more analysts that, you know, I'm not saying I trust anybody, anybody's guessing here, but putting it more closer to 94 for corn. Well, if that's the case, it's got, you're going to pull a little bit from soy. Um, but I don't think it really matters in the long run. You know, I mean, it's still, you're talking about marginal production here, you know, 180 million bushels. Uh, certainly is a lot, but I think the one to watch out for is the grain stocks report because if we have a grain stocks report drop, meaning if we have less corn or less soybeans around than we thought, that really puts the pressure on the acreage. So it's uh, I certainly think that not not to like keep kicking the cam, it's like well the June report will be what actually is planted, and that's really much more important in the longer run. I think however the grain stocks comes out will set the trend. If it's tightened corn, I think we'll rally. Uh, if it's tight and beans, obviously, you know, there's really nowhere to go but up. And in the case of uh, of wheat, I think you got to be a little careful. Or maybe they adjust acres higher there. And I think those have been priced in to a certain degree here. But um, in my opinion, I, I think you got to be kind of ready to, to react, to, you know, to, to positive information by starting to make some sales. You know, if you get a chance to sell $5 corn when you're putting it in the ground, I think that's something you got to take. What about in South America? We see rains finally getting to Argentina, maybe at least slowing the deterioration of that crop there. But if it stays dry now in Brazil over the coming weeks, does that actually damage their corn crop, or is there still time for the safrina to make bushels in the end? Well, the safrina crop, the second crop, is is like two-thirds the size of the total crop. So, I mean, it's really, really important. And it's, you know, the first crop where a lot of folks will analyze, it really is only a third of the total. So, um, I mean, we're getting a late start. Now, does that mean you get, you know, freezes and potential drying, dry conditions when you need it? I don't, I'm not smart enough to know that. But I think in the meantime here, that's a story that can develop this summer and that runs in tandem with something bullish on the U.S. side. And that's how you could potentially see, you know, the 2012 type market. But uh, remains to be seen. Next week, we'll set the table for it. Um, and uh, it'll be an interesting trade, that's for sure. 
Talking with Mike John Payne with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Again, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Find out more on how you can sign up for that free newsletter at danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Friday edition of Midday. If you miss anything from today or the entire week, you can find our Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors, uh, available online at krvn.com or wherever podcasts can be found.